Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Love Doctor Podcast, research-informed advice that can lubricate any conversation about sex. My name is Dr. Leah Tidy, and I'm glad to have you here. Today on the show, I'm answering your questions about whether or not our own bodies can turn us on, and does that mean we're autosexual? We're also talking about how to keep that sexual spark alive in long-distance relationships. I also share my interview with self-advocate, actor, and sexual health peer facilitator Larissa Gunkel. Larissa and I talk about orgasms, relationships, and disability. We also discuss Sixpo, a sexuality conference happening next month in Vancouver, BC. It's online, so anyone can attend, that centers the experiences of people with disabilities. Who knows, yours truly might even make an appearance and run a workshop. But first, today in sex. I started watching the Netflix series Special, and I can honestly say that it has showcased some of the best and most realistic sex scenes I've ever seen. Special, it's all about a young gay man, Ryan, who has cerebral palsy, and it follows his journey on becoming a writer and navigating the dating scene as someone with a disability. From Ryan having his first sexual experience with a sex worker, and there are incredible sex workers whose practice specifically caters to folks with disabilities. Don't worry, link is in the episode description and on my website. To also having dinner with his new boyfriend and his boyfriend's boyfriend. It's an incredible show. Here's a clip of Ryan O'Connell, who is the creator of the show, talking about the importance of having these realistic gay sex scenes on The Late Night with Seth Meyers. You've talked a lot about how you wanted the show to have uh, realistic sex scenes, which I imagine is always uh, difficult and probably even more so when you're shooting uh, during a pandemic. Yeah, but babe, I'm going to die on the gay sex hill and just like, <laughs> I'm just going to go out and say like, I, I was not like willing to compromise on the sex scenes. It's very much on the D and gay of the show. So like we still did it. By golly, you know, I, I never realized I was going to have to take that term. I will die for my art so literally but that's where I found myself. And yeah, I mean, um, gay sex representation is super important to me. I feel like growing up, it was either like heavily eroticized porn vibes or it was like closeted in the woods, spit for lube, don't look. You know what I mean? And I just felt like there, you know, I feel like I've been having gay sex for a long time and I think I'm doing it right. And, uh, you know, no one had really shown it the way that I've been experiencing it, which is like, you know, funny, painful, awkward, sexy, all within the same thrust. You know what I mean? And it seems very apt that I'm watching it now since it's Disability Pride Month. I don't know if it was intentional, but I do love that Disability Pride Month comes directly after Pride Month because the intersections between disability and queer identities is very apparent. Now, according to Disabled World, but actually based in the U.S., so not the world, uh, among lesbian, gay, and bisexual adults, 30% of men and 36% of women have a disability. And people who are queer and or disabled are born into every type of family, culture, religion, country. There isn't a specific environment or upbringing that creates these identities. They're just a part of who we are. And too often, disability has been placed as an issue or a problem that needs to be fixed. This perspective on disability, it's untrue. Just as our sexual orientation, our gender identity, our race, ethnicity, our culture, etc. are part of who we are and bound to social norms, so is disability. As Jay Dolmage states, disability is a political and cultural identity, 
not simply a medical condition. So rather than viewing disability as something that disqualifies or stigmatizes, we need to affirm that disability is a positive shared identity, a valued part of human diversity. And if we focus on valuing our many diverse and intersecting identities as humans instead of pathologizing them, I wonder what new avenues may open up where we celebrate each other for who we are. And now, let's get to your calls. This person sent me an email and wanted to make sure that their anonymity was kept safe, so decided not to send in a voice memo. That's totally fine. I will let you know, though, that sending in a voice memo is a great way to have your voice heard on the podcast, and the only person who sees your name is me. That's all. So this question. Hi, Leah. Thank you so much for your incredible work on your podcast. I love listening to it, especially when I'm on long train rides to my girlfriend. Currently, I guide a young queer person who I used to babysit when he was a child. He recently came out to me as gay and has tons of interesting questions. Today, for example, he asked me, Do you think homosexual people are more frequently aroused since they always have the genitalia and stuff on their body that potentially turns them on? I love this question and I have no idea how to answer it. Maybe you know something about it or can find some reliable statistics in the resources that you use. P.S. This person is a sweet 13 years old and I'm the first person who he came out to. I'm so flattered, thankful, and happy. Absolutely. How flattering and honoring it is that someone comes out to you. So that is amazing that you've created that space where they felt comfortable to do that. And what an interesting question. And I'm going to be honest, I went down a rabbit hole to find some answers. I'll start by saying that for folks who are gay or LGBTQ+, they can identify their sexual orientations as being attracted to someone of the same gender or sex as themselves. But this is still an externalized attraction to another person, to another body, etc. And that's what arouses them sexually, romantically, erotically, or all of the above. And while masturbation and touching ourselves can be very pleasurable and we can feel arousal, it often isn't about finding ourselves or our specific body parts arousing, but rather being engaged in the sensations that we're feeling or in the fantasies we're engaged in, the porn that we're watching, reading erotica, the list goes on and on. And as a sidebar, we can find lots of things arousing beyond just genitals. It can be a, a certain smell, fabric, someone's face and other parts of their body, clothing, objects. Again, the list goes on and on. Now, Heather Corinna, the main author behind the website Scarletine, says that when it comes to masturbation, it's one of the few things that almost everyone does, has done, or will do. About as many people masturbate as people who play video games, and there are more people who masturbate than people who have computers at home or who own cars. In surveys and studies, as many as 95% of all people report that they masturbate or have done so. So this is all to say that I didn't find any resources that link being gay with being more aroused by your own body. There are definitely lots of articles, many very problematic, about being a narcissist and how that relates to body image and sexual orientation, but what we're really talking about is being aroused by our own bodies, and that is called autosexual. So autosexuality is when someone is sexually aroused and stimulated by their own appearance, this might be in the form of masturbating in front of a mirror, or for folks who identify as autosexual, this form of sex can be the most satisfying, and not at all a precursor or second choice to partnered sex. Like all aspects of sexual identity, it exists on a spectrum and can mean different things to different people. 
So if someone identifies as autosexual, their preferred sexual activity can be masturbation and being aroused by their own bodies and image. But it doesn't mean that they don't engage in or enjoy partnered sex. And for others, partnered sex is off the table and masturbation is the whole game. Now I want to emphasize that the only normal thing about sexuality is diversity and how we express that and what brings us pleasure, as long as it's consensual and not harming anyone, is healthy and fine. Well, it's more than fine. It can be a positive force in the world if more people are experiencing pleasure on their own terms. And according to Dr. Jess from the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast, and featured in the article, If You're Your Own Type, There's a Word for That, feeling aroused by your own body is actually really healthy. She asserts that feeling sexy and desired requires that you feel at least somewhat attracted to yourself, which is why she suggests embracing it. She says, It can be normal to be attracted to yourself, but it's quite a feat in a world that teaches us that we're not good enough and profits from these messages. So shouldn't we all be autosexual to some degree? I've left some great resources in the episode description, and you can also find all the links to every resource that I use in the show on my website at www.leatidy.com. Now, I thoroughly enjoyed reading Solo and Autosexuality 101, The Guardian's article, Age of the Autosexual, as well as a really quick read called Six Signs You Might Be Autosexual, aka Attracted to Yourself. Let's take another call. This person sent me an email and said, Hi, Leah. I recently discovered your podcast or Levi's YouTube channel, which I adore. It's very inspirational and the advice is super useful. And I love the wholesome vibe both of you are giving. I recently moved from Europe to the US for one year for a postdoc position. Sadly, my girlfriend could not accompany me because she is an academic herself and needs to stay in Europe for her own PhD. Hence, after being together for almost three years and living together for nearly two we are suddenly in a long-distance relationship for a full year. Luckily, we'll be able to visit each other every three months, giving us something to look forward to. Nevertheless, I was wondering if you had some advice about how to maintain a healthy relationship with no physical contact. We both masturbate regularly, combined with some sexting and sharing porn we enjoy. However, I'm concerned that our sex lives might eventually become completely disconnected from each other and from our relationship. I've suggested a vibrator which can be controlled remotely, but she isn't interested as she prefers to control her toys herself and is satisfied with those she already has. What other means of sexual interaction could we try to implement? What are some good ways to keep each other involved in our respective solo sex lives and to maintain the sexual tension between us? Thank you for this question and keeping that spark alive and that sexual excitement between people in long distance relationships can definitely be a challenge. It sounds like you're already taking some great steps in masturbating, sexting, sharing porn, etc. And it's a good suggestion that you had about a vibrator that can be controlled remotely. However, I can also understand why your partner isn't as interested in that since once you find a toy or a series of toys that really do it for you, it can be hard to convince yourself to try something else. Also, many sex toys are designed for genital stimulation only, And as we know, sex is about a lot more than just our genitals. What is happening in our minds that is erotically stimulating? What other parts of our bodies crave to be touched? Are there certain smells or contexts that set the mood? Is there a specific song or artist that gives us those sexy vibes? Now, while these can be hard to recreate when you're apart, it'd be helpful to talk about what those things are that really get each of you excited and turned on. 
Now, it could be something simple like a FaceTime or phone sex where you're telling each other, you know, where you're touching yourselves, how you're being touched, and maybe incorporating props into the mix. And to build that sexual tension, don't rush to the genitals or or don't even get to the genitals at all. Focus on the sensations you're experiencing and trying to describe those to your partner. How is your breathing? Has your heart rate increased? Are you flushed? What are you imagining right now? Describing in detail can create vivid and rich images in your mind that hopefully you can relive afterwards as well. Now, something that both of you are probably also missing, because I know I missed it when Leva and I were apart for five months, is that casual intimacy with each other. Those small moments throughout the day where you look at each other, you touch each other, share food together, and so on. And these intimate experiences help us feel closer to our partners and are related to relationship and sexual satisfaction. Now, I read a fascinating study from 2020 about sexual satisfaction in long distance and geographically close relationships. So the results suggest that individuals in long distance relationships and geographically close relationships are actually more similar than different in terms of how the relationship and sexual maintenance behaviors, those affect satisfaction. This suggests that individuals in a long-distance relationship don't necessarily need to change their behavior to maintain their sexual or relationship satisfaction. Instead, the results highlight the importance of nurturing a positive, supportive romantic connection and engaging in mutually gratifying sexual activities with one's partner as the most important for satisfaction outcomes, regardless of whether we're in a long-distance or a geographically close relationship. Now, these relationship maintenance behaviors include thinking about and idealizing one's partners. You know the old saying of distance makes a heart grow fonder? Well, yeah, we can think about our partner in kind of these idealized and perfected ways. So thinking positively about one's partner, fantasizing about them, telling them how great they are, realistically, not just like pumping their titers, then that is contributing to the satisfaction. There's also positive interaction between partners. So even if it's online or on the phone, Are you doing fun things together? Are you talking about interesting topics? Are you being vulnerable with each other and sharing what's happening in your lives and just generally having a good time? Then that is a positive interaction that's building towards that. Now, lastly, there's maintaining those common social networks, which, you know, does get tricky when you're apart. But are you talking about the people you're meeting or spending time with? Are you sharing stories and anecdotes about the people in your lives that you both know and care about? Now, this study also suggests that masturbating alone may lead to decreased satisfaction, especially if it's positioned as like a poor substitute to partnered sex. Now, we know that masturbating itself is healthy. and What it really comes down to is how we are framing that experience. Are we wishing we were engaging in partnered sex instead, which is totally understandable, especially if we're missing our partner? Or are we treating it as an experience of exploration and pleasure? I actually think this ties into the previous question about autosexuality and would encourage both of you to engage in some fantasy and masturbation focused on yourselves and your own bodies. Celebrating how sexy and beautiful our own bodies are can absolutely help with our sense of self-esteem and finding new ways to masturbate to focus more deeply on ourselves as opposed to external stimulation from porn, erotica, whichever. As always, the link to the study is in the episode description, and I highly recommend checking it out. Best of luck, and congratulations as well. Getting a postdoc is not an easy feat, so well done. And now let's get to my interview with Larissa. 
Larissa and I have been working together for almost a year now as part of a theater company of individuals with intellectual and developmental disability who refer to themselves as self-advocates, those who speak and act with agency on their own behalf. So this is a part of my work as a researcher where we're looking at the use of theater to share diverse voices and lived experiences. Now, Larissa is a delight to work with, and I am honored to share our interview with you. Hi, Larissa. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. Yeah. Are you enjoying all of this like summery weather? Are you like hiding from the sun? What's what's your feeling on that? I'm actually with being type 2 diabetic and having clipped feet and having Marifant syndrome where I'm missing chromosomes. It's like a lot of times when it's this warm, this hot out, I usually like to just stay home. Or if I go out and about in the community, I try and find some shade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel you moving from shade to shade and yeah, trying to stay cool. And I know I already have a bit of a sunburn. My nose is already peeling, but oh, well. So why don't we start uh, by introducing yourself, Larissa, and just tell me a little bit about what you love and what you're what you're really passionate about. Okay, well, my uh, full name is Lauren Deshnikunkol, and my common name is Larissa. So most people know me as Larissa, but my dad was actually the one that uh, picked up my name because uh, both my parents love the movie Dr. Zhivago. Mm. And in the movie, the character went also, like me, by Laura and Larissa. And it's actually Russian. Even though on my mom's side, my nationality is Irish, French, Canadian. My dad's side is German-Ukrainian. Mm. But that's the thing, is it's like Laura and Larissa, and even my middle name, Nadesha, is Russian. And I've always loved the movie um, Anastasia. Mm, that's one of my favorites, too. Absolutely. Especially <laughs> since it's a love story. That's a thing with me is I'm a hopeless romantic. I, <laughs> anything to do with love, I love. With nature and animals and wildlife, I love. So that's the great thing is uh, during COVID, I love watching the news and seeing all the wildlife. Mm-hmm. Like I even told my dad, like, somehow, even with everyone fearful as humans, it's like, it gives a chance for the wildlife to come out and about and truly show it's their territory first and foremost. Yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, it's it's funny, a friend of mine, um, I'm I'm also a hopeless romantic, probably why I have this podcast too, right? I'm in love, I love love. And uh, a friend of mine describes it as being a, a love hound. So kind of that mixture of like animals, but also like just obsessed with love. You know, you can sniff out love and you just love to talk about it. So I think maybe maybe that's the commonality we have here, right? Did you say you said that because it's like one of my favorite um, singers, Maroon 5 with Adam uh, Levine, mm-hmm. is that one of my favorite songs of his is actually Animals. Uh-huh. Oh, that's one thing. I'm, one of my life goals trying to strive for after the summer is to see if I could save enough money to travel to Toronto to see the Maroon 5 concert that September the 2nd at 7 p.m. in Toronto. Yeah, no, that, that would be awesome. The thing with me is that I'm passionate about love and I'm passionate about being like a, the ultimate self advocate and talk about important issues and. I 
I'm very passionate uh, about, and what I love is public speaking and acting and anything acting related. And I'm actually thinking, I've actually been working with WorkBC see about case of uh, part-time uh, freelance jobs. And I actually thought it'd be great to try out at some point. Uh, I don't know if I would get in or not, but it, it'd be great with uh, my main community employment specialist, Rebecca Salmon, to see if mm-hmm. she could reach out to Victoria's Secret Collective and see if I could join up. Because I also love modeling. So mm-hmm. I even have a safe stick of plus sites, uh, modeling portfolio photos. Wow. You're, you have multiple passions and talents. And I think that's what, uh, has been so great about getting to know each other, even though we've only met each other virtually, but our work together with Community Living Society and the UBC, uh, theater company, really great kind of getting to know about the work that you do. And you've brought that passion into everything that you do, right? That passion for public speaking and connecting with people. And focusing on love. So just, I'm going to give some of the, uh, the listeners a bit of a context of saying that before I uh, started working with you, Larissa, um, you did a project, Romance Relationships and Rights. And that was a project with a group of self-advocates talking about disability justice and the rights to, yeah, be in relationships, to love each other and create an entire theater performance around that, which was like just an amazing, to, to even watch the recording of that was really amazing. So, yeah, tell me, uh, maybe, well, I, I know I'm going off script here, Larissa. My apologies. But. That's okay. Like, I actually uh, printed his outline of questions for today's podcast, but I already told uh, my support worker, my former support worker, and then my new support worker that uh, I'll probably improvise. Because that's <laughs> the thing is that sometimes in life, sometimes things go according to plan and then sometimes you have to just improvise, especially during COVID. (laughs) Oh yeah. It's taught us a lot about being, uh, being flexible. Hey, of just being able to be like, okay. And what I love is that it used to be before COVID people would judge each other. And now it's like even strangers talk to each other. And even on talk shows, it doesn't matter how well you know someone or if they're, if they've never been interviewed, it's like everyone's uh, saying, hi, my friend. And it's like, it's wonderful because that's the only way this earth will not be as broken is if we just get along and see our similarities and our differences. Mm -hmm. Uh, So well said too, Larissa. Like I think especially with the world today, there's so much happening uh, that sometimes it's hard to stay optimistic, you know? So I think, thinking about how we we can come together, even though it's it's online or in lots of different ways that, yeah, if we can focus on what makes us the same, and then maybe we can learn about and respect the things that make us different. Yeah, like that's a, another thing that I love being passionate about is being enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. And it's so rare because like my dad always says, if there's things that come up that causes stress or distress or anything is just roll with the punches and that's Mm. that's the thing is sometimes that's easier said than done like one of my favorite uh self mantras is embrace the challenges Mm. embrace so it's like i try and do that the best of my ability 
Sometimes it's easier said than done. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm, I'm going to ask you a bit about um, some of your work and stuff that you're involved in, but maybe you could give me um, kind of a definition or understanding of, you know, what, what does it mean to be a self-advocate for folks listening who don't know? What does that mean to you? I think being a self-advocate means to talk about important issues and it's something doesn't seem right whether for yourself or for other people to definitely address it and to definitely show that it's relatable within you and that to come up with a, a positive solution for all parties and to make sure that to find that great Eric. So a lot of times I find in life there's always that black and white time and point to things but it's like sometimes there has to be some wiggle room sometimes you have to think outside the box and you got to actually uh challenge and really show your voice and it's been hard for me because when I was two years old my parents broke up and then between 2015 2018 my mom passed from uh, stage four lymphoma cancer in the abdomen. My uncle, my dad's brother, passed from a acute heart attack. My my grandma's second husband, he passed at 94. And he felt like a, a grandpa to me. And then the last, my grandma's second nephew passed from leukemia. Mm. And it's like, and not just that, but from my adult life i've lived from bc to Alberta, in saskatchewan and there's a lot of times whenever i've been part of workstation services especially with community living society it's like there's been a lot of staff changes yeah so it's been very hard but i always try and find the silver lining And I always try, especially during COVID, because especially with having clubbed feet, it's like I've always felt like I've had to catch up. Hmm. And a lot of times, especially with COVID, I was full speed ahead with my life goals. And then with COVID, it's putting the brakes on everything and not being able to see my friends in person. Yeah. That's hard. And, and I'm not the most tech savvy. So it's like I've had to learn to do Zoom. And even with Zoom, it's still not the same. After COVID's over, double the celebration for everything. <laughs> you think you were going to celebrate here and we're just going to double that. We'll have more, right? And that's what I think of being a self-advocate is, is when life knocks you down to actually be self-advocate for yourself and for others to keep life being busy in a positive light and to come up with ultimate uh, resolutions and solutions for people to involve, to be involved human beings. Like I actually, hopefully in a couple of years, I find the perfect man and I get married and I'm hoping in five or 20 years to be a creative owner of a love empire corporation with some joint venture financial partners. So I want to have an international restaurant on the side and global hunger, have a healing wellness center, have a charity corporation mm-hmm. and have a, nat- uh, a natural pharmaceutical, 
and a natural uh, energy resource corporation and a startup innovation corporation. So I'm very ambitious. Mm -hmm. So my dad's very simple. And it's like, it, for me, it's either go big or go home. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps me going even during COVID. And then it's like, mostly my mom, when she was alive, she was a single mom and she always raised me. Always think of others, always share, and always follow your dreams and your goals for the greater end. Mm -hmm. Very hard when I lost her. So it's like, I hate what's happening during COVID, but at the same time, I feel like at least everything's on the same playing field of life where a lot of times, even though I hate what's happening, people actually can relate to how I've felt most of my life. Mm. But it's like, that's what I feel, especially with people in similar uh, situations myself, is that in before COVID, uh, people had mental health issues. And a lot of times people have mobility issues and they couldn't really have a full up life. So mm -hmm. I feel like being a self-advocate, I can't truly relate to other people and really make everyone see the light that, that we need to coexist amongst each other and be aware of each other's space and who we are as people. Yeah. Yeah. You're so right. And I, you know, I think you bring up so much in terms of how COVID has taught us you know, for a lot of, for a lot of folks not being able to leave their houses and things like that. It's like, well, let's think about accessibility because for a lot of folks, that's been a reality for much longer than just the pandemic, right? So you bring up a good point of being like, how do we support each other? And because it's now happening at a global state, different, you know, affecting people in different ways, but maybe it makes us think more about how do we create accessible spaces online and in person does that sound about right yeah like one of the things i'm actually a part of is kudos before uh covid i was actually uh co-hosting uh fun of horrible things to um in vancouver around vancouver mm -hmm. and then with my club feed i found that i had to stop because it was getting weight attacks on my body but it's like that's another thing that I love and I'm passionate is I love having fun. So I mm -hmm. love watching TV and movies, like going to the movie theaters, which is why I'm, it's wonderful. They're starting to open up. And I love listening to pop music, doing karaoke, just like a lot of people. But I found like in before COVID, like especially when it comes to being a self-advocate, I found like a lot of times with uh, relationships and sexual health, especially, it's, it's like, People were getting sexual relationships without really going, getting to a serious, solid, trustworthy, and wonderful relationship with a friendship or more than that. And a lot of times I was afraid people would get a sexually transmitted disease. Mm -hmm. And now with COVID, it's like people now have to analyze what type of relationship once COVID's over do they actually want and actually about self-love. Yeah. Yeah. If you have that sense of self-love and awareness of it, yeah, if you, if you love yourself, then it's easier to start building those 
healthy relationships. But like you said, I think, I think so many people don't have, um, aren't given maybe the skills or the tools to be able to talk about sexuality and to also talk about the relationships that they want. So you're right. Like sometimes you'll get into a sexual encounter and you don't know how to say, Oh, have you been tested for sexually transmitted infection? And sometimes we get so excited, right? We get wrapped up in what's happening. So we don't want to slow down, but yeah, maybe it's something we need to practice. Maybe theater is a way that we can talk things through. And I know that in romance relationships and right consent came up a lot, right? How you can practice consent in theater before you get into a, maybe a sexual encounter or a relationship. Yeah. And really analyze what type of relationship you actually want. And if that person is really worthy of being in a relationship long-term, mm-hmm. like actually the great thing with being part of kudos is I was actually introduced to John Woods with real talk that I'm actually a part-time peer facilitator for Real Talk. Uh, we talk, uh, we used to have pizza parties and now we do Zoom. We talk about relationship sexual topics. And it, to me, it's like, it's wonderful to know John Woods, who's also part of Bocce, uh, Burnaby Association of Community Inclusion, uh, because I find that he's a really wonderful boss, him and my other uh, uh, co-boss, Kelsey Savage. Uh, I really feel like with both of them, a great friendship and a great respect and they're great bosses. And I actually can really have an actual real conversation with people when it comes to relationship and sexual topics. Mm-hmm. So usually like before COVID, we were mostly talking about sexual topics and I brought up, uh, especially with an event where I actually talked on a podcast where I, I actually voiced my opinion. It would be great to have r- real talk, especially since it is called real talk. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the perks COVID, even though it's been hard times for people, because we've, we're actually talking about real conversations, not just about relationship and sexual topics, but also about uh, mental health mm. and really showcasing on other topics, like how to clean properly a sex toy mm. or like actually like what you're talking about consent because most times especially on this earth we get pressured to go into a sexual relationship or go into a relationship just on the mere point of being in a relationship because it's the right thing it's the cool thing if you're not in a relationship there's something wrong with or a person could feel like there's something wrong then they're being judged hmm yeah, which is like you're saying, like that your work with uh, Real Talk and being a peer facilitator can actually help people navigate those tricky conversations, right? And knowing that if you can practice, that's, you know, you you bring up a lot of points that a lot of listeners have asked about of being like, oh, like I maybe sometimes I feel pressured to have sex or um, I get into a situation, I feel like this is what I should do. Or if I'm not in a relationship, there must be something wrong with me. And we know that that's not the case. Like, is, is that kind of the topics and questions that you get quite often with your work at Real Talk? 
Yeah, especially now during COVID. And a lot of times it's also being brought up on uh, on masturbation, on self-pleasure, especially during COVID where we can't really see each other or be in a, in a serious relationship, which is wonderful because the great thing is when you do masturbation, self-pleasure, you have no risk of being pregnant or getting a sexually transmitted infection or disease, and you can actually enjoy things and not have the pressure. You can actually be control. So that's another great thing once COVID's over is people can decide, do I want to share my time with another person or do I just want to explore myself? Because a lot of times on this earth, we get judged that if we touch our own body, that if we do self-pleasure, there's something wrong with the situation and wrong with us. And it's like, that's not the case. It's actually very healthy because you can truly know what's comfortable and what's not, especially if you're around another person. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can also learn about, um, about your boundaries, right? The things that, uh, bring you pleasure if you're masturbating or touching yourself. But then also, yeah, the things you're like, ooh, okay, like if I try this out with just myself, I'm still in a safe space. Very true. Because it's like, I know for myself, like I'm a virgin. And I've actually been in real talk videos where it's like, yes, I'm a virgin. And, I, and if I'm ever around a male or I communicate with male, I'm also a part of Tinder and okay, Cupid dating apps. And a lot of times it's like, I always tell firsthand, okay, this is what you're going to expect. We're going to have to see each other in person safely uh, before anything else. And I'm just needing a male friend and I don't need a sexual partner. Mm -hmm. I'm not into having a sexual relationship whatsoever, unless there's chemistry for more. Mm-hmm. Like about a month ago, I was actually in New West Sky Trade Station and I was on a bench and this man, he ha- he's actually from Panama. He actually uh, hit on me and I was, we were both lonely during COVID that we started making out and he wanted to go back to my place and I put my foot down. It's like, okay, we're seriously going to have to start dating before anything and do things slow and really get to know each other better. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the great thing during COVID is really analyze what type of relationship and definitely set boundaries and definitely really analyze what type of relationship do I want? Self-love with myself or if I do anything with someone else, what type of relationship do I want? Do I want friendship? Do I want to start dating the person? Do I actually want a sexual relationship? Do I actually want to settle down with someone? Mm -hmm. Like he wanted to marry me and have a family with me. And it's like, okay, we got to slow down. We got to really get to know each other. So we exchanged the numbers, but he's actually back to Panama. His grandma's sick. But it's like, for me, in some ways, it was kind of good because it's like, we actually arranged a couple of times to get to know each other. And he didn't even pass the first test. He kept making excuses that why he, like he was busy or he wasn't feeling well to, to not even go on the first date. So it's like, okay, maybe it's good that you're actually back in 
Panama and by do text of subtitles, but it's like that's my first test. And my boundary is, is definitely go on a, a few or quite a few dates mm-hmm. and definitely see if there's chemistry for more than friendship or, or to have a solid, serious relationship. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think something that, that maybe people don't think about very often, and you've, you've definitely mentioned it, is that sometimes we think that, you know, sexual pleasure, we need to rely on a partner in order to experience sexual pleasure. Like, oh, you know, if I want to experience an orgasm or if I want to feel good in my body, that's my, you know, another person needs to give me or whatever. Whereas, we know getting to know our bodies and the amazing, like lots of different ways that they work. And like you said, different sex toys or positions or different aids, whatever else, that can be really empowering because maybe if you're like, oh, sexual pleasure, I have ownership over that. I don't have to be in a relationship with this person who comes along. I can find the person who's going to be right for me or find the relationship that's going to work best for everyone involved. And that's the thing with self-pleasure is there's directly and non-directly. Like I actually have a hand massager and I did have a hand uh, vibrator, personal massager, but it kind of broke down. But my hand massager, I got a lot of drugs. And then my uh, smaller hand uh, vibrator massager, I got at Shoppers in the U.S. But, and that's the thing is I, with Real Talk, they always say go to the adult stores but sometimes those adult stores or even online can be very expensive for sex toys so it's like it's always really good to really do your research like Mm. try lunch drugs or shoppers uh or even if you are in a relationship to get condoms to get it where it's affordable so it's like it's always important to do your research but it's like there's in there's direct ways of getting sex toys of self-pleasure, but then there's also indirect ways. Like sometimes I feel like I have an orgasm or definitely pleasure when I actually have my favorite Italia Cafe Mocha Adult Spaghetti Factory. Or sometimes listening to uh, TV movies or even when you listen to certain pop music. Mm-hmm. And that's the great thing, especially during COVID, is to feel that pleasure, to feel that enjoyment, especially mental and emotional health, to keep yourself going. Yeah. Well, and pleasure, yeah, you've touched on there. Pleasure is so much more than just the orgasm itself. Like I feel like there's a real emphasis on that's the goal, right? Make sure that you have an orgasm. As you said, you're like, well, eating your favorite food, listening to your favorite music, these can all be things that bring a lot of pleasure into our lives. And if we engage with that and say, oh, yeah, like this is something I really enjoy and I feel really good, then sometimes, you know, self-pleasure or masturbating, that can be a part of that. You can be listening to your favorite song and decide, hmm, maybe I'm going to start using my hand massager or whichever. And yeah, I think just in general, with again, with so much happening in the world, those moments that we can feel pleasure are actually really quite amazing. They keep us going, right? Yeah, you're right about the food because it's like I love watermelon in the summer. I love eating strawberries, the blueberries, and I love eating pasta. I love eating great Italian 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel you. So, Larissa, I'm I'm interested in asking you as well um, that uh, you're working right now and you're planning a virtual sexual health expo. So, tell me a little bit what what is that and what do you have planned for that? Yeah, I'm actually part of a couple of committees, just like with the theater cup hype mm-hmm. and with the virtual uh, sexual expo. We actually are nicknamed for Sixpo, <laughs> and we're the first one will be virtual, but we're thinking of annual one so hopefully next year it could be done in person but it's actually going to be virtual from august the second to august the 20th and we got a beginning meal and end so the beginning will be introductions and people's comfort zones and it'll be based on uh basically how people feel on the basics of uh, sexuality and then the middle will be more of workshops and story corner and then the very last i'm actually doing with john woods will be a video of a celebration a climax like an orgasm in itself a video of sexuality uh basically uh with the inclusion community how sexuality and disability come together how there's equality and how people could feel truly free and liberated and power when it comes to sexuality. That sounds like an amazing event. You know, I think you're right. It would be really nice if it, uh, if next year it could be in person, but exciting that at least if it's online, lots of different people could access it who maybe normally wouldn't. And it sounds like a great array of different things that you're doing with the workshops and the videos and, It'll be really I keep busy because it's like that when I'm not busy, like when I used to live as a young adult in Alberta, especially in Saskatchewan, I actually lived on an organic farm in Saskatchewan. I was always bored. And it's like I never want to feel that type of boredom ever again. <laughs> so you're very engaged. I'm I'm yeah, you you're involved in so many things. I don't know, every time that we talk, you're like, Oh, I'm also working on this. I'm like how do you have the time to do all of these I things? I know that's the thing is it's like, and that's the thing is that I'm also part of uh, being a part-time peer facilitator for real talk, but I'm also a member sometimes of the community in BC's editorial board. Right. So I did a life story of resilience in their magazine. And then on, uh, Actually, tomorrow we'll get begin together because we'll be doing stories for the August uh, issue of their magazine. Mm-hmm. So it's like I like to keep busy. The only problem is is probably when COVID's over. If I get a couple uh, freelance part time jobs, it's like I'll even be more busy. So then <laughs> I gotta juggle everything. You master juggler somehow. <laughs> and then it's like somehow find the time to be together with the family, to see them and have go to social events once COVID's over. But I would rather be too busy than bored. Yeah. Yeah. You want to have a, a full schedule. Because you know, that's what keeps me healthy. And that's what keeps me being a being positive for myself, especially for other people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, it is true, though, you know, like I'm, 
I'm sure listeners can tell right now just from hearing your voice, right, that you just you have this passion and this energy, which is so uh, infectious in a really good way, right? Like you you feel excited and passionate about things because you're so passionate about them. With having club feet, it's like I can't really run marathon, but having creative ideas and keeping myself busy and being wonderfully as a self-advocate and a public speaker. It's like, that's how I run my marathons, keep myself positive. Absolutely. You are absolutely running your own marathon. And I, you know, I'm wondering, I'm, I'm thinking back about the sexual health expo, sexpo. Is that what you're calling it? Yeah. yeah that's excellent. Um, and, you know, you talked about how, it's important for, you know, self-advocates to have conversations about relationships and sexual health. You know, why Why is that um, an important thing, do you think, to talk about? I think for me, like, even though it didn't work with my parents, I think it's important because when it comes to sexuality, especially with, like, myself being on disability, it's like a lot of times it's like it seems to be on this earth that we're supposed to keep disability and sexuality behind closed doors and yet it's right in front of us Mm. it's not going to go away and it's like it in order to be to involve to involve as human beings it's important to actually talk about Thing, issues even if it seems uncomfortable to mm. really come up with solutions of equality because it's because if, if people weren't fully aware of sexuality it's like when it comes to sexuality it gives a reason for people to reproduce for there to be more human beings and with with people on disability or having a disability like I noticed over the last couple of years, more and more people are having injuries or even able people somehow if there's an accident or somehow if there's stress and it causes people to be sick or able to, to become uh, disabled and go on disability, it seems like on this earth it gets overlooked and it's like but it's not going away in fact especially after covid when people wearing masks it's like it's going to affect people's throat and lungs mm-hmm. where it's going to be harder and harder for people to live so it's like things that are uncomfortable need to come to the surface because it's like it's right here we're not the only human beings on this earth like we're living with animals and wildlife and nature and people. So no matter how different we are or how uncomfortable things get, it's like it'll always be around. And there's people can look things, especially in my opinion, with the glass half empty or a glass half full. When it comes to sexuality, it's like there's there's definitely pleasure, whether yourself or other people. And I love people with disabilities because so many times on this earth, there's always the status quo. There's always a line, a steady line of hustle and bustle. And yeah, a lot of times 
people with disabilities, it's like we're always enthusiastic. Like even with COVID, it's like somehow it's the it's the inclusive community, people with disabilities, we've thrived even these difficult times, even when it it's hard on us with our daily life. We keep on going, being enthusiastic and thinking outside the box, having that interesting perspective. And that's the that's the thing with sexuality and disability is there's always that interesting perspective. Mm. Interesting paradox that is unusual and challenging and hard to understand, but at the same time, it's, it's right up close and personal in front of everybody. And even if people want to hide from it, it's like the only way we're going to heal and have a better earth is if we all come together. In order to reproduce, there are needs to be addressed with sexuality. When you cross the street and you see someone with a walker or a wheelchair or someone that you don't know that's at a coffee shop, but they have a slurred speech or or they have a support worker with them to support them. They're right there, front and personal. It's, so it's like before COVID, people were judging each other and thinking things in a taboo or feeling uncomfortable or judging. Mm. And now with COVID, it's like we got to understand that we're all on this earth. Like even on the news, the recent thing with residential schools, what I find shocking is even in high school, near sector in Richmond, BC, I graduated 2002. And one of my favorite classes was First Nation. And even then I knew about residential schools. And it's only now that there's starting to be a resolution. In the past, sometimes there's been bits and pieces of resolutions. But it's like, why is it now when our earth should be in our in the modern times, it should be so involved uh, that why is it now that certain issues are starting to come to the surface? Like I love my dad and myself, and even with some uh, interviews with some talk shows, because with COVID, it's like it's a global restart. Mm. So it's like that with sexuality and people on disability where it's like okay instead of finding it uncomfortable behind closed doors these things are coming to the surface because once COVID's over like you're going to see once you go in the community especially with people not no longer wearing masks that more and more people will be in the community more and more people even if people weren't on disability will probably wind up on disability and more and more people, it's either going to be one extreme or the next with sex, with sexuality where people are either going to be afraid to touch each other or hug each other or be in a sexual relationship or people are going to dive right in. Mm-hmm. People need to get over feeling uncomfortable and really feel like they're ready to address each issue and come up with a solution and feel like we're, we all belong. As I always think of it, we all have one heart. And if our heart's not beating, 
we pass away. Hmm. Yeah, we don't we can't hide away from the things that are really hard or that are hard to talk about. And like you said, like there's we're realizing how we are all connected, but how there's, you know, really vast inequality and injustice, right? So how do we make sure that what we're doing each day is holding space for for healing and listening? And like you said, with residential school survivors and finding out about the uh, lost children from the Kamloops residential school and just finding ways to finding ways to maybe hold space. Maybe that's the right, the right word to hold space, to hear people's stories and to actually take action to make sure these things don't happen again. And same sort of thing with sexuality and disability, you know, a long history of, you know, not treating people who have disabilities as sexual beings and, you know, monitoring their um, reproduction and not any reproductive justice for a lot of folks with disabilities and just saying, you know. Yeah, I totally love that because I love with even with the Real Talk videos, there's like a video that uh, one of uh, this young man was saying, treat us like we should. Like he told us parents they wanted to date and they said well how cute he wants to date and uh, I love his response because he said just because I'm like this doesn't mean I'm not into it like treat a 19 year old that's interested in dating like a 19 year old that's into dating no matter who what type of person they actually are yeah and not that phrase oh how cute it's like no you need to recognize people are sexual beings and they want to express that and not, you know, treating them like a child. Want to make sure that people do it safely, making sure people have right education to be able to do it in a way that feels empowering and that's pleasurable. But yeah, not just like dismissing that. That's not a way forward for anyone. And I love that word dismissing. That's the thing with sexuality and disability is a lot of times people dismiss it. Mm. Because a lot of times people think when it comes to love, especially sexuality, like it's supposed to be between parents, it's supposed to be between partners. And a lot of times people dismiss it. Oh, you just want to have a sexual relationship or, okay, well, you got your opinion, you're into having a sexual relationship and people with disabilities where people dismiss where they only see them as basic beings when it's like we have a voice just because we're limited in some areas doesn't mean that's all of us and mm. it's like that with sexuality just because it seems uncomfortable and taboo and it seems between two people it it shouldn't be so easily dismissed when there's so many dimensions to understand and to uh love about it and that's what i'm passionate about is definitely showcase and being a role model because when I when my parents broke up when I was around two years old a lot of times when I was a child they would fight in front of me and so it forced me to really have another mantra to treat others how I want to be treated as myself Mm -hmm. so I usually try and keep myself busy and enthusiastic and treat people how I would want to be treated as myself with quality and love yeah. So a lot of times, not just for family and friends, but it's like I find most people that are my friends that I and also people in the community 
is I usually try and treat others how I want to be treated as myself. And I usually think of most people as extended family. Hmm. Mm, that's a good way of uh, moving forward. Yeah. So Larissa, there's there's one more thing that I that I want to ask you, and I love how our conversation has just emerged. It feels like we're we're devising a, a like a theater production, like right. There's all these different ideas coming together. It's I really enjoyed it. I guess I I want to ask you lastly, um, what do you wish everyone knew about sexuality and disability? I want most people to feel like, even if it feels uncomfortable, that it should be addressed and talked about and brought to the surface. Mm. It's something that should be talked in a basic way or just uh, feeling uncomfortable about it. So like that's the thing. Like, I have a lot of friends that are either gay or uh, transgender, and it, and that's another thing is a lot of times people feel uncomfortable or think it's wrong. So it's like what I want people to realize is that sexuality and disability, it's not going to go away. So it's like I want people to realize like we're all on this earth and it's up to us when we make it. We can actually water it down and sugarcoat it and sweep it under the rug, but it's always going to surface. So it's important to have real talks about it. It's important for people to understand if it was them. What, just like my motto, treat others how you want to be treated as yourself. So it's like if people felt like they were in a sexual relationship or they had a disability how would they want others to respond to them so it's like we're all part of this earth and we all need to take accountability it's like with with anyone that watches spider-man with great power comes great responsibility if we're all on this earth or the great power the love it's like it's a responsibility to actually be aware and to respect when it comes to sexuality and and disability because it's not going to go away we're all on this earth together so we may as well enjoy it make the most of it that's wonderful oh thank you so much larissa like i what a, a beautiful way to end that off with and i know that i hope listeners are feeling uplifted by that and feeling optimistic Thank you so much for joining me today on the Love Doctor podcast. On the next episode of the podcast, I'm interviewing sex educator Cassandra Corrado of Feminist Sex Ed. Now, if you have a question for the show, send me a voice memo to thelovedoctorpodcast at gmail.com, or you can send a voice message to me on Instagram at dr.leahtivey. And even if you don't send in a question, you can check me out on Instagram or Twitter And if you like what you're hearing, hey, leave a review, share it with your friends, and let me know what you thought of this episode. You could also check out the website while you're there at www.leatidy.com. Until then, folks, stay healthy, stay safe, stay consensual. 